0: You were the
1: You know we we are declaring that truth this morning I don't know where your heart is or where you are this morning but but I want us to read this out loud we're declaring this this morning that, that if we are sons and daughters of God we are no longer slaves of fear we are children of God this morning And so, so I want us all to read this out loud and we're not reading this so that other people can hear it alright this worship is not about the person next to us singing this is about we are worshiping God And and you know what else we're doing? We're preaching truth to our own soul. Because some of us, man, all week long, we've just been thinking about our fear. And we've been feeling shackled up in these changes. So I want us to read this, not just for everybody else to hear. We are preaching this to our own souls. Let's read this out loud. I am no longer a slave to fear. Say, I am a child of God. Say it one more time. I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You know, the the Bible says that it is from freedom that Christ has set us free. And and so I don't know how you feel this morning. And it really, honestly, it doesn't matter how you feel. Because listen, if you belong to Jesus, you are free this morning. God looks at you. You are free. You're free from your fear. You're free from your past. You are absolutely free. And this morning... We're going to celebrate that by taking communion. So if you would look at the chair in front of you, you might, if there's not one in front of you on the bottom there, look at the rack at the bottom of the chair. should be a cup uh, there in front of you. If it's not directly there in front of you, look at the seat or two down. It's definitely there around you. Go ahead and grab that. And we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. And the key word is what to celebrate. Because we are sons and daughters of God. We are no longer... Slaves to our fear. We are no longer slaves to sin. Jesus was broken and he came back to life for us And so this morning we have every reason in the room We have every reason this morning to celebrate because of what Jesus has done in our lives. Amen. Amen Amen? Amen. And maybe you've forgotten that maybe you don't feel that this morning Maybe you feel a million miles away from that And, and so what we're doing. We are preaching a sermon today to our own hearts We're preaching a sermon to our own hearts, to our own fear, to our own unbelief, to our own insecurities, and all of us. we are preaching a sermon to ourselves today that says, if we belong to Jesus, we are free indeed today. And it doesn't matter what the devil says, or even what I say, what Jesus said is true over my life, that I am his son, and that I am his daughter, and we celebrate the finished work of Jesus today over our lives. Jesus. The 12 disciples into an upper room and he grabbed uh, some bread and he said, This is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And so we don't do this because this is what churches do. We don't do this because someone said you need to do this on Sunday. We do this because it's easy to forget what Jesus did, isn't it? And we need to remember, we need to remind ourselves wait, I've been bought with the body of Jesus Christ broken for me. So I just invite you to take this top layer here. Grab that and feel that back so that it just uncovers the way from there at the top. And we eat and we celebrate this morning that Jesus Christ was broken for us. Let's eat and celebrate today. A cup of wine and he passed it around to the disciples. And he said, I want you to drink this because this symbolizes my blood. My blood is poured out for your forgiveness. So, so if we are really children of God, like we're seeing today, then Jesus' blood has been poured out for our sins and we are clean this morning. We are forgiven this morning. It is all because of what Jesus has done for us. So let's just peel back that second layer and reveal that. We drink this morning and we drink to celebrate that Jesus has forgiven us. That forgiveness is not just possible, it was purchased and we have tasted it and we drink we celebrate the finished work of Jesus today. Let's drink and remember. Would you pray for me, Father, I thank you. And just like you brought those Israelites. Through the sea, and, and the sea split it stood up, and they walked right through it. Jesus split death and he walked right through it. He split death and he walked right through our, our sin and our shame and our past and our guilt. And he took everything that separated us from you. And he walked right through it. And he burst out of that tomb on, on resurrection morning. And Jesus, right now you are alive. And because of you, we're alive. And we sing. And we celebrate that we are God, that we're forgiven, and the devil can't change that. Our past can't change that. Everyone who has went to you for forgiveness has received forgiveness, a new life, and freedom. So, Father, we stand and we declare and we sing that we are children of God, no longer slaves to fear or anything else. God, we have been set free, and those. up here so uh, give us a moment all right hey i want to thank you guys so much for uh coming today today's your very first time at summit uh, i see some new faces here today uh, my name's mark i'm the lead pastor we're just excited uh that you would come today you give up some time on a sunday morning to be here with us if it's your first time we have a free gift for you all you got to do there's a connection card either in your seat or on the back of the one in front of you just grab that card Fill that out, and at the end of our service, when the offering baskets are going around, you can just fill that card out as much as you'd like. Drop that in there, Uh, but if you are a first-time guest, make sure you take that card to the welcome area. Those cards are really important. What those cards uh, do for us is they let us know how we can really specifically pray for you. Uh, we use those to say, hey, we don't we, that this person was here, this person wasn't here. And uh, we do all kinds of things with those cards. A team of us get together every single Monday. We pray over those cards, respond to them. Um, so, so they don't just go uh, somewhere in a filing cabinet or anything like that. Those are really vital to what we do here and, and how we believe God uh, just wants us to serve people. So go ahead and fill that out. Uh, at the end uh, here, we're going to give you a, just a moment to do that. Hey, I want to thank you for being here today. And uh, I want to mention a few things before we uh, dive in this morning. One is, we just wrapped up last week a series called I Love Hazard, and we did several service projects during that series, but one thing we mentioned on the first day of that series is uh, that Hope House uh, had asked us to paint a couple of rooms there. We were not able to do that in the, couple of, in the three weeks of that series, and so uh, talking to them this past week, we're going to actually try to do that this Saturday morning, uh, this Saturday, August uh, 25th at 11 o'clock, all right, if you want to bring some items for lunch there, we can leave that there as well. But uh, there's uh, one or two rooms that they they, they need painted. And uh, we said, hey, we'd love to uh, step up and help if we can. The more people there, the faster that project goes. So if you want to be a part of that, uh, all the materials are there. You just need to show up. And that's honestly a, a really good serve op- opportunity for families to come. So uh, you can bring your kids there. It's going to be a really good time. Uh, but it's Saturday at 11 at hope house all right and also right after this sermon uh right after this service is the word i'm looking for service right after this service is our partnership event uh partnership is what we call membership and if you want to make summit officially your church and become a member here we ask you to stick around for about 45 minutes uh for what we call the partnership event we do that in our student building and we provide a free lunch for you and what happens there and the reason we set, we the reason we want to do an event a lunch Uh, The reason we do that is because we want people to know our vision. We want people to know what God's called our church to do and and how we can all partner together to make it happen. And so we just invite you to stick around for that. If you signed up, great. If you did not, don't worry about it. You are uh, welcome, invited. We'd love to have you and your family stick around for that, all right? Hey, um, I'm going to pray one more time. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to dive into a new series this morning called Replenish. And so uh, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes, kind of still our hearts this morning and see what God... Would have for us today. Let's pray. God if you don't come right now. And help us God. Nothing nothing really that matters is going to happen today. If your spirit doesn't come. And, and just open us up and speak to us. A sermon is not going to really change anybody's heart. And we're looking for something deeper than inspiration God. We're looking for something deeper than than, than a feeling in an hour. We are looking for an encounter with the living God. That changes us forever. Now it can start right here. But God God, we want something to happen here. That, that doesn't just start here and end here. We want something to start here that lasts. And that never stops. In all of our hearts. So God I pray that you just give me clarity. Give us praise. Uh, focused hearts and minds keep us from the schemes of the enemy who'd want us just to be distracted think about all kinds of different things jesus help us to lean in hear everything you have for us today in jesus name and everybody said amen amen well hey let me ask you guys a quick question everybody's back in school now and so teachers are back students are back who is is excited beyond belief that school is back in session raise your hand raise your hand literally three people. Wow. All right. Literally. In the 930 service, it was all, it was honestly, I promise this is true. It's not me being funny. In the 930 service, it was mainly parents happy that their kids were out of the house. I promise it was. It was hilarious. And, uh, but just a few people, just, I mean, just a few hands. Okay. Now, now how many people by showing, by raising hands, how many people you are looking at, okay, here we are, school started and you are looking at tests you got to study for and deadlines and meetings maybe you're a parent and you're thinking about all the practices you're gonna have to take your kids to and you're just thinking about how busy this season is going to be and you're just already tired over any tired over it anybody just raise your hand right now right, I see both those hands right there there we go there we go right anybody look all kinds of hands right and, and summer's in the rearview mirror summer supposed to be a time of rest and relaxation? Anybody feel like, listen, I didn't get a break at all this summer. I felt like I was running wide open all summer long. Anybody raise your hand? Look at that. Look at that. How many people feel like that's just the way we live now? Never stop 100 miles an hour. Look at that. All kinds of people, right? Most, A lot of people. Most people, in fact. And, and see, here's what's happening. See, what, what happens is we, we're just running and making things happen and achieving, and we're going at 100 miles an hour, and we never stop. And see, when we live that way, here's what happens. Here's what happens when we live that way, just going 100 miles an hour, always connected, always on, always trying to achieve. Here's what that looks like. Um, so la- Last week I had salt, and today I got water. It's awesome. Next week, all-you-can-eat buffet. It's going to be great) um, But here's what happens though, here's what happens, as we're just running and we're running and we're running and we never stop, what happens is this, we're just constantly moving, constantly going, we got deadlines, we got things to do, people are posting online, we want to like that, we're posting online and we never stop, we're always on and eventually we're what? Eventually, we're empty. And here's the crazy thing. The crazy thing is that a lot of us just accept this is the way that we live. This is the way that it is. I go and I make things happen. I achieve. I've got deadlines. And we never stop. And here's the scary thing, to be honest. The scary thing is that some of us are here and we don't even know it. But how many people know this, the way that we're living, 100 miles an hour, always on. How many people know deep down in your soul, you know this deep down, how many people know it isn't working? Anybody know that? Anybody? It's not working. And, and listen, everything around us says that. Everything around us says that always moving, always going, always on, always achieving, always trying to impress, I'm always connected. Everything around us says that's not working. I mean, eventually the car runs out of gas. Eventually, the batteries run out. See, everybody knows this. You don't have to be a Christian to know this. Everybody knows this. I read an article a couple of weeks ago just thinking about this series. I read an article on an online magazine called The Medium. Not a Christian magazine at all, but they were just talking about how we all always feel rushed. And, and, and this is what they said. Remember, not a Christian. Look at what they said here. See if you can uh, identify with this. Think like about driving. The moment that you look at your clock, maybe on your dashboard as you drive to work or to a meeting or to pick up your kids from school, and all of a sudden you switch from the calm, benevolent driver you usually are to an anxious brink of road rage, kamikaze driving maniac. Anybody? Anybody? Listen, i just have a moment of honesty. That's me. All right? Even the person in front of me can honestly be driving the speed limit. But how many know that a wise prophet once told us, you can't drive 55, right? Some of you will get that later. Um, don't look in the Bible for that, all right? Don't look in the Some of you are like, is that in the book of Isaiah? No. Um, let's continue to read this. Remember, not a Christian, watch. Feeling rushed to appointments or to be at a certain place in your career, your income, your relationship, your family, your body, the pressure we can create by this self-imposed timeline can create epic anxiety. It takes a huge shift in perception to drop out of that race. Watch this, they're not a Christian. Feeling rushed is an epidemic stealer of joy. So today we're starting a brand new series called Replenish. If you look up the word replenish in the dictionary, it just simply means to fill up again. It just simply means to fill up again. That that you're here and we begin to live lives intentionally so that God can begin... To fill us up again. Now here's what I believe about this series. Because I believe about this series that a lot of us. And we just raised our hands. I believe that a lot of us are here. And we don't know it. Or maybe we've been here for a long time. And we know it. And we're just like listen. How else can I live? Here's what I believe about this series. I really believe that this series could save some of your lives. Because this. Is not God's will for any of us. Did you know that? This might be America's will for us. This might be everybody around you, their will for your life. This is not God's will for any of us. And so here's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. We're just going to talk about how can we begin intentionally to live lives where we put ourselves in positions where God can begin to replenish us, to fill up our souls deep down. How can that begin to happen? We're going to talk about that in this series. But here's what we're going to do today. Today is just a checkup. Today's just a checkup. We're going to look under the hood. You know, you've got to go to the doctor every once in a while for a checkup, that sort of thing. Today, we're just going to go under the hood, under the surface of our lives, and we're going to have a checkup. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 16. We're I mean, going a real familiar verse of Scripture. I mean, if you have a church background, you've definitely heard this. If not, you still may have. Uh, it's just one verse today, one verse, and I'm, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. All right, so Matthew chapter 16, and our verse is verse 26. All right, Matthew 16, verse 26. Watch this verse. It says this. It's on the screen if you don't have a Bible or anything like that, but I encourage you, if you got one, open it up or turn it on on your phone. Jesus says this. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Now See, what happens a lot of times for, for if you have a church background or as Christians, see, we look at this verse, we look at this verse as an evangelistic verse. So what that means is we look at this verse and we use this verse when we're talking to people who aren't Christians and we want to help them start a relationship with God. Now listen to me. One of the things that Jesus means in this verse is absolutely, if you step into eternity without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you do not know Him, if you step into eternity without Jesus you'll be separated from Him forever. Jesus, absolutely That's one of the things that Jesus absolutely means in that verse. That if you step into eternity without Jesus, yeah, you might have been a good person, and you might have went to church and believed that God was real, but you never had a relationship with Him. If you step into eternity and you don't have Jesus in your life, you'll be separated from Him for all of eternity. Jesus absolutely means that. But there's more than one way to lose your soul. And so if, before we figure out how do you lose your soul, how can you be a Christian and lose your soul? Before we figure that out, we got to ask the question, what is your soul? I mean, what is it? I mean, the Bible talks about it. We talk about it all the time. What in the world is your soul? What is it? Now, now the Bible says God created, us, uh, God created us with a body and a spirit. Some people would say that God created us with body, soul, and spirit. And honestly, it's a really technical argument. You can get lost in the weeds really quick. The only thing that you need to know is that there's more to you than what you can see. There's more to you than what you can see. When you look in the mirror at you, you don't see all of you. Uh, 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 The the Bible says, when God created Adam in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Adam's body laid on the ground, and the Bible says that God breathed into Adam that Hebrew word for breathe is the word for soul when the angel tells Mary that she's going to give birth to the baby Jesus it says Mary says that her soul magnifies the Lord so outwardly Mary's body you could see that Mary was praising God but there was a part of Mary praising God you couldn't see it was her soul Jesus in Matthew 11 Jesus says come to me all ye who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest for your what you tell me For your soul. See, our souls are the invisible, eternal, truest part of who we are. It's the invisible, eternal, truest part of who we are. And because our soul's invisible, like you can't look in the mirror, you look in the mirror and fix your hair, can't look in the mirror and fix your soul. All right? Because our soul's invisible, on one side of the coin, we never think about it, but on the opposite side of the coin, we always think about our soul. And the reason for that is because you and I, whether we know it or not, we are always living from our soul. I'll try to prove it to you. I'll try to prove that that you and I, we're always living from our soul. See, every one of us this morning, doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, doesn't matter where you're at, every one of us woke up this morning with a desire to be happy. Anybody say, yeah, that's me. Anybody want to be happy? Look at that, look at that, all right? Some of you are too spiritual that. Praise the Lord, all right? We all woke up with a desire to be happy. Have you ever thought about how much the desire to be happy motivates your life? You ever thought about that? Things that you do, I'm going to do that because it'll make me happy. We do that all the time, right? Summer's in the rearview mirror. We went on, we went, maybe you went on vacation. Why'd you go there? Because it'll make me happy. It'll be fun. It'll make the kids happy. And if the kids are happy, everybody's happy, Right? I'm going to eat the whole plate of french fries covered in cheese and bacon and tomorrow I might regret it but tonight it'll make me happy. Right? Somebody amen to that. Right? What is that? What, what is that? Where's that come from? Here's where that come from, comes from. It comes from your soul. See, our souls are always reaching for something. They're always crying out. They're always trying to grab something because our souls were made for God. And so our souls are always trying to grab something. I'll do this because that will make me happy. And and happiness is not God's main purpose for your life. God created us to know him, to glorify him. But that desire, man, I want to do this to be happy. Where's that come from? That's your soul. Our souls are always crying out. Hey, if I do this, if I get this job, if I can achieve this, then I'll be important. What is that? That's your soul. If I do this, then they'll notice me and they'll like me and I'll fit in. He will notice me. She will go out with me. I'll fit into this crowd. I'll finally fit into that group that I've always wanted to be a part of. People will like me if I do that. Where, what is that? That's your soul. See, our souls are the invisible, eternal, truest part of who we are. And our souls were made to find their rest in Jesus But what happens is we try to find rest for our souls in our achievement. We try to find rest for our souls in our career. We try to find rest for our souls in the amount of money we have, square footage we have, when we can retire, how athletic we are, how smart we are, how athletic or smart our kids are. We try to find rest for our souls in all kinds of different places. And Jesus says that your soul is the truest part of who you are. And if you're not careful... You could lose it. So how do you lose your soul? I mean, look at what Jesus says again in that verse. Is anything worth more than your soul? He says it before that. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? So apparently you can do that. Apparently you can gain the world and lose your soul. Apparently... You can get everything that your career has to offer. You can climb the corporate ladder and get every single promotion. Apparently, you can be the most liked. You can, you can have the most followers online. Apparently, you can go to church. Listen to me. You can go to church and you can have a relationship with Jesus. I mean, God has transformed your life. You're really a son or a daughter of God. But somewhere along the way, you just lost your soul. And you didn't mean to, but somewhere along the way, inside, you just became bitter and angry and hard. And you're about to lose your soul. Or, or maybe you're here and you're chasing a dream or a vision. Man, you are staying up all night. You are pouring yourself out. You are working your fingers to the bone. You are chasing a dream. You are chasing a vision. But God didn't give you that dream or that vision. Society might have given it to you. Your parents might have given it to you. The the world that we live in, listen, the world that we live in is going to tell you, gain the world, go for all of it. And Jesus says, you got to be careful because you can lose your soul. Or you might be here and everybody thinks you're a really nice person. They say, do you know so-and-so, man? They're so nice. He or she, they're so nice. Anything you ever ask them to do, they always do it. They go out of their way to make us happy. If you ask them to do anything, they're going to do it. They're always dependable. You ask them to do anything, and they're going to be there. They're going to make it happen. You, You ask them to do anything, they're great. And everybody thinks that you're so nice. But really what they don't know is your soul stopped getting gratification from God a long time ago. And somewhere along the way, your soul started to feed off of the opinion and approval of other people. Or you're going to church and you're doing everything in church. Man, you serving everything. You're, you're at everything. You're reading your Bible on your own. You're praying. You're seeking God. You're doing all kinds of things for God, but there's no change under the surface. There's, on, on, the, on the outside, everything looks great, but what nobody knows is your passion for God is depleted. And if something doesn't change on the inside, you don't know if you're going to make it. Now, so let, me, let me try to help you with this. Let me try to help you. Let me try, I've, I've written down several things, a lot of things, just to try to help you see if maybe this is for you this morning. So I want to give us a lot of things. There's going to be several things come up on the screen, and I want you to read through these for yourself. See if you can relate to any of these, all right? See if you can relate to any of these, and just consider these as lights on the dashboard that say, hey... I need to get this checked. I need to get this looked at. See if you can relate to any of these that are up on the screen. Read through these. Watch this. One, you're easily irritable. Two, you're constantly, you constantly experience a deeper kind of tired. A nap won't fix it. A vacation won't fix it. The weekend won't fix it. You are tired at the soul level. You constantly think about escaping. Escaping what? Your life, your job. Your marriage, grass is always greener on the other side, never where you are. Inside, you constantly feel wound up, on edge, or rushed. It's extremely easy for you to write people off. People who disagree with you are considered enemies. We don't just disagree and we're still friends. No, we disagree and we're enemies. I can't be with you. You refuse to forgive anyone and hold grudges against most people. You're overly concerned with what people may or may not be saying about you. You're constantly, when you you talk, maybe it's complaining or you're negative. You want to give up or quit the most important things in your life. Maybe your faith or key relationships. Here's some more. You're making excuses for destructive behavior. Justifying what God calls sin. You are constantly looking to the next thing to be the thing. Do you know what I mean by that when I say next thing to be the thing? Oh, man, if she goes out with me, then I'll be good. Well, you said that about the last 27 girls you went out with. Oh, when I get the next job, man, then we're going to be set. Yeah, but you said it about the last job, and you quit that one because you thought this one was it. You're looking for the next thing to be the thing, and the problem is not in your circumstance. The problem is in your soul, you're withdrawing and isolating yourself from other people. Watch this one. This one's kind of kind of uh, nuanced. God, in quotation marks, is constantly telling you something new to do rather than being consistently faithful over time. That, that one's really tricky. So it's the person that every single day God gives them something new to do. And the day before they just told five people about it and those five people got really excited, rallied around them. Hey, I want to help you do that. Hey, I want to help you make that happen. And the next day they got a different vision when instead you can't just be faithful. Something's off. You're just numb. You don't feel anything. You're not mad. You're not sad. You you just don't feel anything anymore. You don't care about things that you know you should care about. You don't want to live anymore. Or you would just describe yourself as burned out. Do you see yourself in any of those? See, here's the thing. We talk, we talk about how our bank accounts are doing. And we talk about the improvements, you know, we want to make at our house. We talk about how we want to get healthy, what we're doing at the gym, how we're changing what we eat. We talk about all this stuff. But none of us, it seems, few people are talking about what's going on with our souls. And so I just want to ask you this morning, maybe I'm the first person to ever ask you this question. How is your soul this morning? How are you on the inside? How are you under the surface? How's the part of you that you can't put on Facebook? How's the part of you that no one can see? How is your soul? It's the part of you that no one can see, but it's the most important part of who you are. Have you lost it? Are you about to? I love what Ruth Barton says. Ruth Barton's an author. She's written a lot of great books. She says that losing your soul is a lot like losing a credit card. Has anybody in there ever lost a credit card? I've lost a few. I'm making a habit of it, right? Anybody, you've lost a credit card? When you lose a credit card, listen, the funny thing about losing a credit card is you can go a while before you realize it's gone, can't you, right? Right? You can go a little bit, you might go a couple of hours, you might even go a couple of days. But when you're going to buy something or you're going to use that card, you pull out your wallet, you pull out your purse, and you look where it's going to be, you go for it, and it's not there. And what happens when that happens? Man, you get a nervous feeling in the pit of your stomach. Like you're just going to vomit everywhere, right? And then you start going through your wallet. You find receipts from five years ago, but you can't find the credit card. And then what do you do? You know what you do. You begin to retrace every step that you've taken in the past three years until you get to the place where you knew you had it the last time. See, we never thought about that credit card until we lose it. And when we lose it, it's all we can think about. Have you lost your soul? Because Jesus, did you see what he said? Is anything worth more than your soul? Look at me. The answer, no. The answer is no. Nothing is worth more Than your soul. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about what are ways. That maybe if we've lost it. Maybe as I look under the hood. Man things are not going well. This is where I am. And I've been here for too long. Just empty. So over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about what are ways. That we can put ourselves in a position. So that God can replenish our soul. But I'll give you one this morning. And it's simply this. Be honest about where you are. Be honest about where we are. See, God can't fix the fake you. Did you know that? God can't fix the fake you. God can't fix the Instagram you, the Snapchat you, the Facebook you, the you that's online and somehow everything is perfect all the time. God can't fix the fake you, but he can the real you. God can't God can't fill up and replenish the fake you, but he can the real you. And being honest about where we are just simply sounds like this. God, I'm not doing good. God, I'm not in a good place. God, I'm hurting and I don't know why. God, I'm angry and I don't know why. God, I can't stop and I don't know why. God, I know that you love me. That's not enough. I know it should be. Here's the thing, a lot of us cannot be that honest with God because if we think we are, we'll think God's mad. We've got a distorted view of God that tells us, oh, you know what, if I really told God where I'm at, then God would be really upset at me. It's as if we think the gospel is get saved, mess up, God's mad at you. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Christ loved us while we were still sinners and took all of our sin on the cross and walked right through it and came back to life so that right now there is freedom. If you're a son of God, a daughter of God, if you are a follower of Jesus, there is freedom to go to your dad in heaven and say, Dad, I'm hurting. Dad, I'm not doing good. Dad, I feel like I'm lost. Dad, I don't know where you are. And listen, I am telling you that when you can go to God like that, when you don't shy away from what's going on inside of you, when you don't try to spiritualize what's going on inside of you, a lot of us, when we look at things that's going on inside of our souls, we just write it off and we simply say, oh, that's the devil. And it might be, but can I tell you one thing the devil absolutely wants you to do? The devil absolutely wants you to think that because of what's going on inside of you, God doesn't love you anymore, God's mad at you, and you never experience change in the deepest places of your heart. The last thing the devil wants any of us to do is to get real before our Heavenly Father. Because when you get honest with God, Summit, you begin to taste change. Man, for too long we thought that strong Christians don't get depressed, haven't we? Or haven't we? For too long we thought that strong Christians aren't suicidal. For too long we thought that strong Christians don't get angry. For too long we thought that strong Christians don't have real problems. And what I want to say to people, back to people who think that, is man, have you ever read the book of Psalms? Most of the book of Psalms written by David, David and Goliath. David, the Bible says, a man after God's own heart. David in one Psalm is talking about how much he loves God. In the next Psalm, he says, God, where are you? David in one Psalm is talking about how how much he wants to live his whole life for God. In the next Psalm, he's saying, God, I want to die. Here, let me show it to you. Let me show you this. Psalm 13. Psalm 13. Look at this. This is the same Psalm. His circumstances haven't changed. Watch. This is the first two, all right? That was my typo. All right, 13, 1 through 2. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me forever? Anybody ever felt that way? God, I feel like you've forgotten me. Man, I asked that question to the 930, and they were like, can we, can we answer that in church? Will God strike us down right here if we answer that? This is in the Bible, guys. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? His circumstance has not changed. Look, a few verses later, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you've rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he's good to me. He's not over-spiritualizing it or glossing over. What happens is David always leans in to where he is and is honest about where he is and honest about who God is in the midst of that moment. And if we can get that real with God, we'll begin to change in ways we never tasted before. Here's one right here, Psalm 88. Look at this one. You have taken away my companions and my loved ones. Darkness is my closest friend. That's in the Bible. And that's how that psalm ends. There is no happy turnaround. There is no it all gets better in the morning. It ends, darkness is my closest friend. And we think that real Christians can't talk away. This is all over in the Bible. So so listen, listen, being honest. When we talk about being honest with God, being honest with God is not the goal. Being honest with God is not the finish line. It's the starting line. Because I can be honest with you about how much I'm hurting, how much I'm struggling. I can vent online. I can tell everybody about how my world's falling apart. I can be honest with everybody and just vent all day long and never change. Hello? Being honest is not the goal. Being like Jesus is the goal. God changing me is the goal. Experience freedom. Experiencing freedom is the goal. And look at me. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. You know why a lot of Christians don't experience freedom? See, positionally, before God, we're free. We couldn't be any freer. We are right now. reason a lot of us don't experience that freedom, because we're not honest. We're not telling the truth. Proof of that, somebody walks up to you, bottom's falling out of your life. Somebody walks up to you, how's it going? What's the answer all the time? Great, great. You're in the bathroom smoking crack. It's great, right? Come on. Got a nervous twitch all of a sudden. Hello? The truth will set you free. Why should I be honest with God? Because the truth set you free. Being honest is not the goal. Being like Jesus is the goal. And so how is your soul this morning? How are you honestly, honestly, honestly on the inside? Now here's where some of you are. Man, i preached a ton of sermons like this over seven years. About change. And some of you are over it. Because you've never experienced change here. In this place. Under the surface. Under the hood. So you're thinking this. You're kind of cynical about it, kind of jaded towards it. You know, you know what? Listen, I'm glad you're preaching this way. Works for somebody else, but it's never worked for me. At least not right here. And you're just kind of over all this change stuff. You're just kind of done with it. Because it hasn't worked for you. And here's what happens. What happens is we build up walls in our hearts between us and God. And we think the problem's with God. Summit, the problem is not with God. It's as if this book is filled with promises for us as his sons and daughters, but a lot of us are looking at it thinking, whatever, (laughs) never tasted that, never felt that. Other people, I'm great, that's great. Glad it works for you. It's never worked for me. And I came here this morning just to invite you to believe again, to begin to trust again, to try to grab a glimmer of faith that says God, maybe, if I'm honest and I don't justify it and I just own it, I just lean in. Maybe there is freedom for me right here. John ten ten. I love this verse. John ten ten. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Watch this. Jesus said, "I came that they may have life and have it abundantly." Let me ask you a question. Are you experiencing that right now? Answer it in your soul. Are you experiencing the abundant life that Jesus Christ is talking about? I'll be honest, I'm not. I think in some places I'm tasting it, but not to the way that he's talking about. Because he's not talking about something available for us in heaven. He's talking about something available for us right now. Jesus is saying there is more that he has for us, and whatever he has, I want it. Hello, anybody? He is putting on the table, there is abundant life for you right now. You here, you can go here. But you got to admit, this is where I am. This is how I've been living. This is not God's will for my life. I, I love Pete Scazzaro, he's a pastor, he's an author. Wrote Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the thing we're doing on Wednesday nights. Everybody ought to come if you can, it's amazing. Um, He says this, he says, this is when we'll change. This is when we'll change. We'll change when the pain of being the same becomes unbearable. That's when we'll change. When this isn't okay anymore. Some, this is not okay. The world around us might say this is okay. Other Christians might have said this is okay. Jesus Christ said, I came to give you life and to give it abundantly. This is not God's will for us. What God wants to do, I believe, is that God would want to come and fill you up so that his love's enough, his grace is enough, his opinion over you is enough. And over and over, God would want to fill up our soul. But we have got to come to him in honesty. Or you might be here and you've never given your life to Jesus. You, you, don't know, you don't know Jesus. You're not a Christian at all. And you thought, maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online. You thought that to give your life to God, you thought you had to have it all together first. You thought you you had to be perfect before you could really come to God. I want to tell you today, Jesus loves you just as you are. Jesus loves you as you are watching this online. Jesus loves you as you sit in that chair, but look at me. He loves you too much to leave you there. You are loved by God so much that he invites you to begin a relationship with him, and in that relationship he will bring you where you are and bring you to a place you never thought you could be. He loves you, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. Maybe you've tried to fix it. Maybe you're at the end of your rope. Listen, what are you looking for? Your soul is hungry for the living God, Jesus Christ. And you need to give him your life. Let him in. Be your Lord and Savior. and Watch what he does. Did you pray with me this morning?